podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. Pachero! Oh, what a headshot! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his luck. So there it is, there's that music again, which means once more it's time for the Champions League. And we have got a huge game, another one coming up for Liverpool, uh, away to Napoli. So, uh, big game, time for big guests. Uh, first up, well, he was so good, he's so nice, we invited him on twice. Um, Liverpool fan, but also a, uh, a mad mad fan of Italian football, so we're here to give us an insight into all things Napoli is Omar Jawed. Hi there, Omar. Uh, hi, thanks for having me back on, and uh, thanks for the lovely words that kind of rhymed as well. You might have a rap career in the future. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> I, I just have, I have these little moments here and there, but they are too few and too far between. And uh, to come in, uh, come in, uh, at, I was nearly coming at you. <laughs> I was getting into the whole that thing there. <laughs> From the Liverpool perspective, um, he is the host of the committee podcast. Uh, one, Alex Barillaro. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, DJ Andy. How are you? I was, I was desperately fighting my, uh, my Aussie accent there. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Every, it's, it's, you seem to be getting a better grasp of my surname every time you appear. I'm, next time I come on this podcast, you are just going to explicitly say it with an Australian accent. So um, that's, I'm looking forward to that. But thank you for thank you for having me on. It's nice to be able to talk about the Reds in the Champions League again. No worries, Cobber. Um, <laughs> Don't do that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well look... Um, we're having a laugh, we're having a chuckle, and that's because Liverpool are riding high and doing really, really well. So, uh, really, really briefly, guys, and Alex, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, the PSG game, opening game of the group, um, a little bit of nerves, um, trepidation, excitement, anticipation, you know, everything you could think of. I think there was, there was, a, I think it's fair to say there was a bit of confidence in the air that Liverpool could do them they were certainly capable of doing PSG and in the end wow what a performance and what a result well yeah it, it, we had to be bailed out but well, not bailed out but we had to leave it late until extra time for Roberto Firmino's sumptuous goal um, but I think the performance probably demanded a more comfortable win than that PSG uh, are a complicated team a team that's as much divided on itself as it is kind of lacking identity because Thomas Tuchel is trying to get them to play this fanciful football, is trying to get them to kind of be 
stylistic but also kind of workmanlike in, in the way they do with that in the midfield of the defence. But then you've got this front three that just refuses to engage in any of that. Um, that is just... It's there for the flair, it's there for the goals, and we saw it work, almost, against Liverpool, but in the end of the day, Roberto Firmino was the one who who decided to say, no, you're not leaving Anfield with a point that you don't deserve. We're making this Liverpool's return to kind of the Champions League glory of last season that nearly got us all the way, um, and I think it was more than deserved. Um, Jonathan Wilson wrote a piece in The Guardian that was very much lambasting PSG as a football team and saying, well, what are they? Nobody really knows. But I don't think Liverpool were given quite enough credit in, in the media for the actual performance that day, because we were excellent. And especially the way we were able to lock down PSG, they never shot between their kind of first goal and second goal until they scored um, in the second half. So all things considered, it was more than justified three points. It was a sublime performance. Yeah, it most certainly was. And like you said, yeah, the, the um, they certainly wouldn't have deserved to have finished that game with with the draw. So, Omara, I mean, you were on that uh, preview podcast before that game, and we were quietly confident that Liverpool could win the game. Obviously, that was how it transpired, and we did get the kind of performance, probably from both teams, that we uh, that we expected. Um, yeah, hundred um, percent. It was one of those where I actually fought three one and. I did think that uh, they are massively going to miss Verratti and, uh, you know, his uh, ability to just get on the ball and make things tick for them. And uh, that's exactly what actually ended up happening is because Marquinhos was playing as a six. He's not a six. He's a quality world-class centre-back, I would argue, and uh, he's playing out of position, um, which was uh, really weird to see, uh, you know, to um, facilitate the absence of Verratti. And, but... For me, the biggest shock was, I guess I never really watched PSG play, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch, I never watched a League One game, so, um, I don't actually see them play football. Uh, but the, the separation from the attack to the defense and the midfield is just, I guess it could possibly pass by when you do that in a Liga against someone like Rennes or something. But when you come across a team like Liverpool where, you have players like James Milner, who's sometimes in the job of two people. You know, he's 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 uh, pressing forward, but he's also running back. He's covering the fullbacks, and your fullbacks are bombing forward. And then if you're not covering, if you're not following Liverpool, if you're not working out, uh, giving the same work ethic, you know, it's going to show. You might have quality. You clearly do. I mean, their second goal is, you know, it's just a it's top draw quality in the sense that you know. Uh, it's a loose ball, but Neymar makes something happen. And then Mbappe, you know, when the chance falls for him, you know, you could you could bet your house on it that he's going to put that away. And he expertly just hits it into the side netting. And because um, that's the quality they have. But, you know, they're so lucky that it was only 3-2 because the way we played and, um, you know, Sadio Mane, the quality he was showing you know, we should have at least scored, I think, a couple of more goals, really. Um, that's the kind of game. 5-2 is what it should have been, really. And, um, you know, with Tuchel, he's still got, you know, he is a work in progress, weirdly, after all the investment. But, you know, they really did miss uh, Verratti. And you cannot underplay his importance for that team in making everything tick for them. You know, Mota used to do it for them and they had variety these are two very good passes as sixes and uh, 
they clearly missed one of them. And I think um, that played a huge part in the result of the performance. Yeah, I think that's very, very fair. And it was a result that sees Liverpool sit top of the group uh, as things stand because Napoli could only manage a draw against Red Star Belgrade. So, um, shocked at that one from Napoli? Um, for me, yeah, 100%. Um, in the sense that, but to be honest, if you do look at uh, Napoli, you know, uh, they, yes, they've had a very good record, but, um, you know, they've kind of been lucky at moments as well. And, they did get their absolute arse handed to them by Sampdoria. Sorry for the language. Uh, but uh, with uh, Sampdoria, you know, they beat them clearly, clinically free new and Cogliarella probably scored goal of the season as well. Um, if you haven't seen it, do see it. It's phenomenal. And, um, you know, so they did get lucky there. Florentina, they beat them 1-0. I mean, it wasn't the most uh, conclusive result. But against Red Star, you know, drawing... It's, it's, it's a strange one, but also, you know, if you look at Red Star, you know, I don't know what this ground is like, um, the stadium, when it comes to the football pitch and everything, but I bet the, uh, what's it called? They just throw, has anyone seen the video of the tunnel walk <laughs> in the, it's on Twitter. It looks like a very horrible place to go play some football. So, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that would play a part, even though Napoli Stadium isn't exactly the Emirates, you know, where it's all, sensitized and everything's like just a big bowl of you know just a bowl of stadium really it's an old school and it's got its own mystique to it but uh i'm sure that probably played a part in the sense that you know all the traveling and everything and um I, yeah i think with red star at home it's not going to be easy for us as well so you know do you expect a bit of challenge but um yeah so for us it, it does really sit really perfectly uh, but for me, the biggest worry is the fact that, unfortunately, if we knew we were going to face them in the Champions League, there's no way we play them in a friendly. Um, I know it's only a friendly, but um, that does play a role. Like The players, they know what it feels like to come across our attack. They also did lose very conclusively, and you saw the faces of their players. They were not impressed, even though it was a yeah. friendly. They got well, their asses literally handed to them. And, um, you know, they would want to... They're just going to try probably even a bit more harder and be not complacent at all when they come across us yeah I mean knowing what to expect and dealing with it can be a very different thing um, so what about to to anybody like myself who's not really au fait with Italian football I've not watched it for many a year um, what what can we expect from Napoli I mean what what is their league form like um, well the league how, how they, actually... what are they I mean like and, and tactically how things have changed because obviously Sarri's left there uh, gone to Chelsea, took Jorginho with them. So, I mean, yeah. how I mean, how are they this season? Um, they're not as phenomenal as they were last season. I mean, last season, uh, they were a joy to watch. Even matches that, you know, they drew or they lost, uh, which weren't a lot, of course, because uh, they had a ridiculous amount of points. 90 plus, I think it was 91, actually. And, um, you know, so this is a team that... Uh, they play very expansive football, but you know, in Jorginho, they have lost that one player who was all one touch, two touch football. Um, and he used to always, uh, make these through balls, chip through balls right into the path of, um, Insigne and, uh, Calion, who at times would absolutely fluff them, you know, and, uh, it should have been finishes really. I mean, you know, he, they've missed a absolute superstar for them in that regard, but they've changed as a style. You know, they've completely changed, um, you know, the, the way they play football now. Milik is a bit more involved. 
You know, they had Rui, who was a left-back playing in the six the other day, and Diara on the bench, uh, Diawara, sorry, and Diawara seeing more football, Zielinski starting more games now. You know, um, they've changed uh, massively in that regard. And um, so, you know, they're playing, there's a bit more, you know, with Sari, there was always, uh, there was a lineup, and it was always going to be that lineup. Uh, if there was an injury, only then will he accommodate another player, but the, he had a very strict lineup and he would not rotate with that regards like those were his 11 and they will be his 11 every single week whereas um already you know with Ancelotti you've seen a bit more rotation you've seen a bit more he tries surprising the opposition he might move things around a bit more he's a bit more flexible I mean they still build they build up his majority still from the left side of the pitch um most of the games um it's still through yeah Insignia who's actually started really well in the season I think he is top goal scorer right now in the Syria and um they're still playing really well the second they've got 12 points uh they've won four games but uh I think it's their style of play um it's not the same they're not gonna have uh they're still dominating possession but they're not doing it in the way they were doing it last season their game's a bit different but um they're still getting results so it's still working for them uh I think the biggest test was probably against uh Milan really um who they've come across. actually they came across Lazio in the first day of the week uh, as well, which was you know it was a two one win and then they won three two as well against Napoli against Milan. So they've played some really good teams and Florentino have actually been in good form. Who they beat one 0 so they have been decent. Um, but I think for them the biggest thing is that the last game was really conclusive. You know, three one win against Torino. Torino not as easy as people think they are. Um, so, yeah, Napoli do look strong, unfortunately for us. Uh, they don't look as bad. Everyone thought they would completely drift away and they wouldn't even qualify for Europe. A lot of people who watch Syria, they thought, this is it, you know, Napoli are done. You know, Sarri's gone and so has um, Jorginho. So, all of a sudden, everything's going to fall apart. But actually, that's not happened. Uh, they've managed to keep hold of Hamsik, who was surprisingly thinking of going to China, um, if I'm not clear. Yeah. I think that's exactly what was happening. He was planning on leaving Syria and going to China or something. And, you know, but, uh, they kept hold of him. They've kept hold of a lot of quality in the team. And, uh, you know, they've actually still playing great football. Um, and of course they've got a world class manager in Ancelotti. And, um, it doesn't seem to be that bad. Uh, they still probably finish second in this, uh, which, uh, to be honest with you, Juventus is every season now. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's a league within a league. Um, so yeah, things are looking good for them, and they're still going to be tough. They're still going to dominate possession. Uh, I think they'll be a bit more compact. But I think the biggest difference between now this season compared to Liverpool facing them last season is this team is more co- they're compromised more. You know, they uh, change things around. They might start with the target man. They might move things around a bit. They might be more compact. They might be more proactive. So that's the difference that Ancelotti brings to Sari. With Sari, he is very, very strict on the style of play he wants, and very strict on the players he's going to play and what he expects from his players and the build-up he expects. Whereas with uh, Ancelotti, he's clearly got more flexibility compared to him. So tactically, they're going to be a bit different. They're not as, um, you know, they're not as uh, strict on what they follow. So there's going to be a bit more uh, ability to probably play a more counter-attacking style against us. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that, because do you feel that then Ancelotti is already having an influence in uh, in that tactical nuances then? Because 
obviously we've seen that throughout uh, his illustrious managerial career, Ancelotti, the, the kind of style he likes to play. You don't feel he's been affected at all by uh, how disappointing it uh, it went from in the end of buying. He's he's he seems to have done. He started started quite well at Napoli. Well, I think the uh, the biggest thing is is he's probably I think he has pretty much had the whole pre season with them. Um, uh, for Italian clubs, but mostly I think, uh, you know, he comes down, he comes to Napoli for after having a long break off from football. So I'm sure he's fully energized. And also the expectations were so low, low. Like I was telling you, people who watch Syria, people who talk about it, their expectations for Napoli were really slow. So, you know, they weren't, um, you know, he didn't have the same pressure as he would have had if he walked into Real Madrid again or something crazy like that. So, you know, this is a new kind of thing for Ancelotti as well. He's amongst the top managers in the world and he joins Napoli who aren't at the top, top, top of uh, football clubs in the world. So I think it's part of that. But I think tactically he hasn't had that much of an impact yet because it's too early. You know, the tactically, especially when you go from someone as insane as Sari who has 15 different signals for throwing so you know there's a personal throw signals of throwings between him and his players to you know what he expects from you to do and everything so they go from someone who's so strict who's like an NFL kind of coach who you know they've got there's like shout a certain word and it will mean a certain thing so they've gone from that to uh, Ancelotti who's obviously not some bum who's going to be like oh yeah it's too Lines of four, you know, four, four, two, clearly not. But, you know, he's, he's having enough impact, but he hasn't had a massive impact on the tactics right now because it's hard to break down a foundation that's been built on, you know, for a few years now and has been very successful. And the players, of course, they love the style of Sari, you know, because it is great football. It's build up football. You press forward, you win the ball back and you keep it, you know, and players do love to play football. I mean, in that specific style especially with the ability that the Napoli players have. So um, all I'm going to say is that he hasn't had a huge impact on tactically speaking on uh, compared to, I would say, Yetz, but that could change. But what I'd say is they're more flexible. So they're more capable of um, having different approaches to matches. You know, that doesn't mean they'll be as successful as they were last year, but all that means is that when they come across a team like Liverpool, uh, they can mix it up a bit more. That's it. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Alex, um, I mean, given, given all this, and obviously Ancelotti is very well known, uh, he knows all about Klopp, knows all about Liverpool, uh, 2005 and all that. Um, what, what do you expect the, the Liverpool approach to be? Because it's obviously it's going to Napoli, so they're at home, they're the, they're the team that traditionally would be expected to attack more, because... I know normally you'd say it's a Klopp team, you know, there's only one way we play, but I think what we're seeing this season is we are maturing a little bit and we do have um, nuances to our play. So do do you feel we might sort of adapt ourselves a little bit more and release some of the um, necessity to have possession and look to counter Napoli? Yeah, well, the game against Paris Saint-Germain um, was similar enough to the game against Spurs in which Offensively, we weren't exactly at our sparkly best, but we just shut them down every time they tried to do something, and we made them look ordinary, um, which I don't think got enough credit in either game, really, because I think they were expecting Liverpool to... Um, th- there was lots of crea- cre- um, chances created in both games, but it was more about the stifling that, that Klopp's side did. And I think we can definitely take 
points out of both of those games to kind of suggest that this side that Klopp's built is less about kind of offensive devastation and more about just playing the opponent off the park, both when we don't have the ball and when then when we do, uh, and quickly. And the game against Southampton was very much a case of Ryder, 30 minutes, one and done. A very, very Wenger in early 2000s style counter-attack here in the first 30 minutes, score three goals, and then energy conservation for the important games coming up. That being said, um, I don't think Carlo Ancelotti going to Napoli was the wisest move for the club. I think he's uh, an extremely talented manager given his track record and, and given his impressive trophy cabinet. But, uh, and, and you know, Andy, what he did at Bayern was very lacklustre. The players basically revolted against him after he, um, after they basically said, no, his methods are too laissez-faire, they're too lax. Uh, Thomas Muller and, and Ian Robin and, and the senior players in the club were basically running training sessions during the second part of the week because Ancelotti insisted that they take it easy for the game. And this was coming off Pep Guardiola's tenure in which every day was intrinsically kind of based around some aspect of the upcoming game. Um, and I think Ancelotti is having to, to do a similar thing at Napoli where Sarri micromanaged everything. And um, we saw it in the first kind of few games of the season. They didn't look all that great. They had to come back a couple of times. The game against Milan was kind of a nice indicator of where they were, which was uh, they played through Miller because the fulcrum in Signe was anonymous for the first half and then kind of as he drifted more centrally, started to pick up the ball more often and then became that creator. Um, and then they came back into it and ended up winning 3-2. But it was a it was a familiar face of Liverpool fans, Piotr Zielinski, who really sparked the revival in that game. And he's been excellent kind of this season. He was put in a sixth role at the start, kind of um, try and replicate Jorginho's influence. Didn't really work. Hamshik's been played there alongside Diawara, who's been kind of just okay. Uh, and, and now it's, it's really looking like Zielinski is the one that Liverpool has to stop, um, coming through that midfield. I would like to see Fabinho get a first start in the Champions League because I think Napoli are going to come out and try and take the game to us. Um, it's going to be an intimidating first kind of game if he does make his debut, if this is the atmosphere that, that awaits him, uh, in the San Paolo, which is a notoriously notoriously difficult stadium to go to. I mean, this facility hasn't been renovated since the 50s. Um, but there is definitely a, a tactical advantage to having someone like Fabinho in there, big and strong, playing in that in that deep deep midfield spot space where I think Zielinski is going to try and want to get on the ball as much as they can. But it's going to be about what we can do similarly to, to what we did to PSG and Spurs. Um, Umar said something um, before Paris Saint-Germain looked kind of disjointed and, and that playing against Rennes is diff- 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 different to playing against Liverpool. And I think too much got made of the whole league on thing. Um, the whole league on is a different league and, and, and they blow out the water. Lyon did beat Manchester City. And Paris Saint-Germain are an excellent footballing side, probably top eight in the world, if not top six. Uh, it's just they, this, this side is so, they don't know what they want to be yet. And Liverpool took advantage of that because they do know what they want to be. And I'd, I'd suggest that there are a few teams in world football quite like Klopp's Liverpool in that everyone is striving to be a part of a collective. 
and I wrote about this one in my article for Gene Wine Alden, um, which got published a couple of days ago on AI. It's all about this machine and cogs get put in and taken out. It's why you can take off Shakiri at half time against Southampton, despite the fact he was probably the best player on the pitch. If Napoli come out and they are still as kind of lackluster as they have been at times during the start of the season, if they come out and they, they leave themselves as open as they did against Samp, where Fabio Quagliarella kind of stamped his authority in the game, scored an absolute class goal in that game too, to be fair. Um, but if they come out and they don't kind of, if, if they aren't together and if they aren't rigid and, and structurally kind of good, then Liverpool could well run all over them again because this is a side that knows what it wants to do. It knows its game plan. It knows each other almost to a T. And that's one of, one of its greatest strengths where Napoli under Ancelotti is trying to adapt to something different. It's trying to, be something different. And coming from Maurizio Sarri, who's, like I said, very micromanaging, very identity-focused, and we have to do things my way, and going towards the fragmentist of Carlo Ancelotti is going to be a challenge for them. There's no doubt about that. Uh, just what I guess kind of linked to, to the uh, <clears throat> to the whole sort of context of the, of the group and the situation and possibly even tactics when you look at the pressure is, you know, how vital do you think it is for Liverpool to get a positive result here in Napoli um, ahead of playing back-to-back games against Red Star, you know, who, who are you know, undoubtedly from the outset seen as the weakest team of, of the group? Uh, obviously, the expectation will be for Liverpool to be picking up six points. Do you, do you think it's absolutely vital that Liverpool come away with something in Napoli, you know, that the pressure's on Napoli to get themselves up and running to get something from this game, given that they got such a disappointing result against Red Star? Not necessarily. I think um, the, the draw that Napoli had against Red Star means Liverpool and PSG are both afforded some breathing room now. Um, it's going to be obviously more difficult if Napoli get a point or three at the San Paolo, but it's a notoriously difficult place to go. It's not going to be easy, and Liverpool would be wise to, to say, right, let's take a point. Um, and then win the home leg and win both legs against Red Star because I think the way the timing of these fixtures has gone, PSG was going to be our most intense game, especially at Anfield, to get three points. So now that that three points is down, you're really looking now at kind of you, you only need three points. Assuming you get a minimum of four points from Red Star, you only really need another, another set of three points and hope, well, not necessarily hope, but know that PSG and Napoli will probably take points off each other in one of the two ties. Um, and in, in, in case they don't, then that's even better because Liverpool could rest. So I don't think the Napoli game is vital in terms of a win, um, but I do think it's a good opportunity to kind of stamp Liverpool's authority back on this competition and say, yep, all right, we've done PSG. Now we're going to show you that we're still the team that got to the final last year. That wasn't a fluke. That wasn't anything other than, than kind of this team being this team. Uh, so, again, it, it's going to be an interesting game. I think Napoli are going to try and come out. I'm not sure how well they'll deal with counter-pressing, given uh, what Samp did. Marco Giampaolo, who's the manager of Samp, Samp, is excellent at setting his team up rigidly, and, and that worked a charm against uh, Ancelotti's kind of fragile Napoli, who didn't really know what hit them. If Liverpool score early there's a good chance that Napoli will just get flustered. But 
I don't think Liverpool fans should panic if it's 1-1 by the 88th minute and it seems like a point's all we're going to get because San Paolo is a difficult place to go. So there's certainly no taking this game lightly. But at the same time, I think uh, a little bit of breathing room is, is necessary here. Yeah. Anuma, uh, coming back to you then. So if we, we were to look at this... From the Napoli side, who you know, for Liverpool fans thinking, right, who do we have to look out for then? Who, which of the Napoli players do you think are going to be key if Napoli are going to get something from this game? Well, I think um, actually, um, if you look at it, it's going to be Insigne and uh, Zielinski, and specifically uh, if they both do look to operate um, on the same side of the pitch. So if they're kind of cutting in from the left side, that means they're going to be up against Trent and. Um, well, I guess uh, it depends who's playing alongside Virgil van Dijk. Hopefully, it's his uh, Joe Gomez. And then, um, you know, so on the right side, it'll be Milner. And I think Henderson starts again. So it's going to be Henderson, Milner, and uh, Trent, and uh, Joe Gomez they come across. So it just depends on how we deal with that side. So really, I think their main domination is going to come through trying to cut through the left wing. And uh, that's where... Yeah, so it's just uh, really the top scorer is Insigne and um, it's going to be through him really that to try to do anything. And um, so if we do manage to cut off any service to him, plus we also do press them forward uh, high up, win the ball back and just keep pinning them down. Because the thing with um, Koulibaly, I'd like to say, is I've seen a lot of him and he's clearly he's a good player, but there's times when he makes huge errors, positional errors as well. And um, he doesn't have the pace. He's quick, but that's once he gets going. But with Salah, uh, the way he's quick, you know, that kind of speed, that elite uh, acceleration, um, we can generally, we can we can beat them uh, through certain areas and just uh, get through to them that way. So, yeah, it's quite a, it's going to be a very interesting game. But um, I think it's a, yeah, I don't think draws a bad result over there. But I actually, I just, I just think the way we're playing and the way we are right now, um, we should be beating them, really. So it will be tight, but I think we beat them. Yeah, just one there. I mean, you just mentioned the defence. How do you, how would you expect their defence to cope with the, the pace and movement that we have in attack then? Um, well, to be honest, they, their right back's qualities. He's one. Of the, I, I just, I just love him. High size is an amazing uh, right back. Uh, Albiol is a very decent centre-back. Um, very, you know, he's just, uh, you know, there's not a lot wrong with his game. Uh, he reads the game really well. And uh, Alan is very similar, I would say, to someone like Gini Wijnaldum, but a better dribbler. But uh, probably he's not as quick as uh, Gini Wijnaldum. So they, the way they function is very similar to us in the way that the midfielders do look to cover uh, more spaces than just the, the centre part, so they will go to the flanks as well. And um, But to be honest, I think their weakness is their left-back, and at times it is Koulibaly, because uh, he would look to cover the spaces of the left-back, or you know he would look to do certain things, and he can be cool out. So really, I think if there's any joy to be had, it will be from the side that we're going to have Trent and Salah. So really, um, and that's our best side, really, um, when it comes to goals, so... Yes, it's actually really going to be exciting for us, I think. So yeah. we could be quite a duel on that side of the pitch. 100%. Yeah. 
we're, we're because, fortunate that Fuzzy Gulam's still injured and Mario Rui's yeah. basically been slotted <laughs> in there where he's he's naturally a right-sided player and he's having to play on the left opposite foot. Koulibaly doesn't like to cover him because he likes to stay central and Koulibaly's slow. And if Koulibaly gets dragged out, Albiol is slow and that means... Firmino could well have some absolute joy going through the middle there, prying open space. It's going to be 100%. interesting. And I think the other thing is people forget this, but you know Salah loves the physical, um, you know, attribute towards his game as well. The little roughening up that he does, you know, with his back to the defender. Um, they could be very similar situations to last season under against Maguire, where you know at Anfield where he got too tight at times and then he just spun around him. That's something that can happen to Koulibaly a few times, actually, in that game. Because Koulibaly is a proactive defender. He will come out. He won't, he won't have the discipline of a Van Dijk. You know, he would take the bait, basically. And when it comes off, it looks amazing. And when it doesn't, well, then you're just left on your ass whilst the other guy just runs away. So, you know, that's something that um, you can't expect uh, to happen against us. But, uh, and like you say, you know, uh, as Alex said, you know, they're... Pace, uh, pace is an issue for the defence and uh, it's not a natural side for the left back so definitely the right side is where we should be looking to actually exploit them uh, and Alex I guess same question really for the Liverpool side of things um, if Liverpool are, are to get a positive result from this game who do you think is going to be key to uh, to us achieving that I think um, Firmino playing would be um, pivotal in, in dragging the space out from the centre backs if Firmino kind of sits on that, well, he's not really—he hasn't been a false nine since kind of Klopp's first few months. But if he if he decides to drop deep as he has more the start of this season, I think there's a chance that we overload kind of the back of Napoli's midfield, which again has been very frail. Um, Alan is more of a Angola Kante than than a pure defensive midfielder this season, in the same way that Kante's been kind of given Rome to like, given license to Rome. Same thing with Alan, who's, who's become more of an offensive player. And more under Sarri. Um, so that defensive midfield of, of Napoli is going to get bombarded, especially if we have Naby Keita playing. I'd like to see kind of the midfield of Keita, Wijnaldum and Fabinho play, but it, in all likelihood it may well be Wijnaldum at the six um, with uh, Keita and, and Milner, because Milner's been so excellent. Um, it, it's going to be a difficult game for our defensive midfield with Insigne cutting inside. So I think if if Genie can have that kind of strong performance we've seen seen him produce at the start of the season, and most importantly, I think our defense is going to need to be on top of the game because Arkadiusz Milik is a is more of a target man. He's more of a natural kind of take it to feet and then play out to his quicker wingers and then charge into the box to get a head on it. Yeah, so Milik's going to yeah. Milik's a very poor man's version of Giroud. Uh, that's the way I put it. Yeah, but he's he's got. I think he at least he scores goals, and I do like. Him. Yeah, he's enough. he's yeah. got a very good left foot on him, but he yeah. doesn't do the hold up play the way Ancelotti wanted to do the hold up play, the yeah. way Ancelotti wanted Lewandowski to do the hold up play, which <laughs> Lewandowski was not happy about. Um, and then it's going to be a tough day for yeah, like I said, at defensive midfield. But if we can control Insigne. And we can stop Drees Mertens from kind of getting in the pockets of space. Then I think offensively, um, Mo Salah will have an absolute field day. And let's not forget that Mo Salah played for Roma and Fiorentina before coming to Liverpool. He does know this Napoli side. He knows how to play um, at the San Paolo and in the Serie A. 
Uh, and I think Serie A teams are, are, despite the kind of narrative, are becoming more and more competent at the whole counter-pressing, counter-attacking style. So for us, we're going to have to be as, as good at kind of stopping Napoli as we were at stopping PSG. And if we do that, though, then we could well have lots and lots of space. Yeah, like I said, license to roam and space, space to attack. It's, it's interesting that this group is being looked at as the group of death. But in terms of top teams, we've kind of been given two of the best ones for our play. PSG, who have yeah. an open midfield. And then Napoli, who are very open, very kind of similar enough to us, but without the same attacking verb. It's been, it's actually quite a good draw. Um, Red Star is the smoky, but I think Napoli and PSG, in terms of away games, probably present us with the most opportunistic group to top. Um, it's going to be really interesting in terms of a tactical battle. So do you think it's fair to say that if we can control them spaces in the defensive midfield area, it's all going about, it's all going to be about what we can do in them wide areas then? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that, I guess, is that, you, would you both say that's both flanks there then? Because obviously we're seeing a lot uh, of uh, Robertson bombing on and working it's not just the overlaps, is it? He's working, working the defence when he's up there in the midfield on his way yeah. back, you know. And both sides, Trent doing that. There's so much creativity and work rate, and just overloading defences when when we push into them wide areas, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think um, the main difference uh, is uh, for Napoli's. I think their right side is a bit more solid to the left, simply because of a. You know, uh, the combination of Haisa and Callahan, who's, you know, defensively, I would argue, is a bit more switched on. Probably not when it comes to pressing, but at tracking back, he's probably a bit better than, um, Insigne, who Insigne can get lost a few times in the middle parts, and then, uh, you have Hamsik covering for him, and, uh, that's the difference. And then also, Allen's on the right side, who defensively is very switched on, um, I would argue he's a better defensive. Uh, midfielder when it comes to covering spaces then Hamsik as well and uh, so you know it depends what formation they go and what kind of style of play they look for but um, um, you know if you look at Mane's record in Europe he's phenomenal he's uh, uh, he does get a lot of joy so even with the close marking I think yeah you could see a lot of joy from either flank really uh, that shouldn't be an issue What what about as, as we because we, we do kind of we do like to switch the play quite quickly. So, you know, that, you know, begin exploring, tentatively exploring down the left-hand side, but then the quick switch diagonally, if they're switching off uh, on their left flank, you know, yeah. it, could that be something where we, you know, tactically we get the joy, we look like we're heading down one way, we move the ball quickly to the other side and get in behind them? Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, that's something that could uh, potentially be something we do, especially... Uh, you know, you see it a lot of the times where the ball is, um, is given into, you know, half spaces for the uh, forwards to run into. So that's something that can happen. Um, that's something that's very realistic. But also, it, I, I think it depends on who we play in midfield. Personally, I feel like now, you know, with Klopp, his favourite three, again, have become uh, the three of Henderson, uh, Milner and Wijnaldum. And I think that's going to be his free for a bit of a time now. I think, you know, with Keita, he's he's doing really well. And, I, of course, I want him in the starting eleven. But uh, I think right now, uh, I think Klopp is going to still play Henderson as a six. And he's going to play Genie Wijnaldum 
as the eight, even though I would argue the best performances I've seen from the six at Liverpool since probably Mascarano have been have been Dini Wijnaldum's performances. He's been phenomenal there, but he's going to keep playing as an eight. And uh, you know, so I don't I don't know how the switching is going to be that good. Uh, and I've especially I think the switching is always really good when you've got someone like um, Van Dijk who gets on the ball quickly switches it onto it, but. If the ball comes back to Henderson and if he's pressed, then, you know, he hasn't had the time to, um, you know, pivot and look what's ahead of him. The ball's just going to keep going back. And, um, you know, so our whole process passing can not be as efficient as you would hope it to be. It's going to be interesting to see if um, all hope permitting, I think Gomez will play alongside Van Dyke. doesn't sound like Van Dyke's ribs are too much of a problem. So Gomez ball-playing ability will be excellent yeah. to have because uh, one of the things Milan did in that 3-2 was played out from the back and tried to bypass Napoli's midfield with these siding passes in the middle. And some kind of did a similar enough thing, yeah. but they, they were much more direct, a lot less yeah. kind of actually playing it out and more lump it over the midfield. Napoli's yeah. midfield is, is quite easy to sight through. So if, if Joe Gomez is at his ball playing best, and he's been excellent at it this season, playing balls into feet, playing him into the likes of Salah Firmino dropping deep, then our midfield should have enough space to kind of run through and really overload those spaces and bomb on. So um, like Andy said, in behind, getting in behind is going to be really important for Salah. But at the same time, once we're in behind, I'm not sure Napoli's midfield will have the resolve to kind of stop those late runs into the box, yeah. which is why I think Cater should play. Yeah, 100% uh, in that regard, you're right. But I think the biggest problem Milan always had against Napoli was the lack of pace in the wide areas that they have. You know, they've, you know, the way it gets to the wings and you've got, you know, Celanoglu and Suso yeah. and uh, they're very one pace of quality footballers, but, um, you know, they lack that final in pace. And, uh, you know, that's anyway, something that we don't fast have. Anymore, Either, exactly. <laughs> So you've got a front three who are who aren't the fastest, even though technical ability wise they're up there. But um, you know, so with us that's not actually a problem. So you know, when you do go past the midfield area, um, and uh, I would argue Kessie's a very similar player to Wijnaldum now in many regards as well. Uh, so you know, we we've got a similar midfield, but we can bypass them successfully. Uh, arguably, uh, defensively when it comes to passing as well. Between our centre backs and right backs and full backs in general, it's as good as uh, someone like Milan on the ball, probably even better. But what the real difference is the pace we have at the top end, and also the dribbling ability and just the general numbers that we produce as attackers, we can absolutely destroy this Napoli side. But that's not a realistic thing at their stadium. I think we're not probably going to destroy them. But um, I think it's not. Past the room, the possibility <laughs> that we beat them, uh, you know, even if it's really close, I could see us being them. Yeah, well, a, a nice segue then. Um, I'll, I'll put you on the spot then. Match predictions. Uh, I know, my you, you said you think Liverpool can beat them then. Yeah. Um, so, what what do you expect the result to be? Or two one to us? Yeah. So not exactly destruction, but a win. Yeah, two one. <laughs> I think it's going to be really tight, but uh, I think just uh, you know. The way this team's playing, the confidence they have, everything about them, there's going to be a few chances. I can see, you know, us scoring a couple of goals, but uh, also conceding because of the atmosphere and just the way the stadium is and everything. And, 
you know, just to see, you know, what Napoli are about. Because with Napoli, there's still an open question, really, because they're still doing really well. But um, I would argue they're, not, they're nowhere near at the same level they were last year. But they're still very effective. And there's a lot of quality. So it's not possible to put, you know, it's very realistic that, you know, you, someone like Zielinski, who <laughs> there's a video of him in a Liverpool shirt scoring good goals, that he, he actually comes across us and actually scores. So, you know, I think it's very realistic that they do score goals against us. So it will be really tight, but I hope for a win. Yeah. Uh, and Alex, um, what, what, what about yourself, that match prediction? Well, I think Napoli will concede because they have con- they've been conceding all season. And if we score early, could well be a, I won't say a, a thumping, but it could well be a 3-1 kind of affair. I do think that it's going to be tough I think it's going to be difficult to play in those conditions. So I reckon maybe 2-0 um, if we can put on the kind of performance that we showed against PSG and really stop Napoli doing what they do. Again, it's going to be tough to stop them from scoring, but if we can, yeah, I think 2-0 is about right. So there you go, folks. A lot of confidence uh, ahead of another big night for, for Liverpool in Europe. Away at Napoli, um, yeah, it could be tight, but it could well be positive. And Liverpool, you never know, they could just have one foot in the next round of the competition by the end of things. Uh, and my thanks to uh, Umar Jawed and to Alex Balalaro. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> nearly I stopped. <laughs> You're all right. Okay. You got it right. You got it so right at the start <laughs> and then the second attempt. Balalaro. Sorry, sorry. Go. I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my thanks to um, to uh, Omar and to Alex for their insight on this. Uh, it should be uh, it should be a hell of a game in a hell of a competition. Uh, Liverpool back where they uh, deserve to be and where they should be. So uh, my thanks to Alex and Omar. Our thanks to uh, to you for listening. Uh, do enjoy the game, and we will be back ahead of the Red Star Bell, uh, Red Star Bell, uh, Red Star Bell grade. Yeah, Red Star Bell grade game uh, coming up. <laughs> They're back to back. Yeah, you yes, got I'm losing it. So, anyway, from myself, Andy Wales, until then, here on the Champions League Preview Podcast, it's bye-bye now. Network.